So I went to the trailer and I was like, I got to talk to you about something. And, and I said, I'm pregnant. And I just remember him sitting there and nothing really phases Jeremiah. He's like a big, mighty oak tree. He is my study. And he was like, wow, okay. You know, we hadn't really known each other that well. So he said, you know, what are you thinking? He was just trying to get in my head. And I was like, well, you know, I've already been to Planned Parenthood. You know, I, my goal here is to be done. I, I want to pretend that this never happened and was just really planning on, on having that abortion. Jeremiah just looked at me, you know, because I was like, I'm doing this. I'm sorry. I can't have a baby with you. And he just said to me, can I hold the baby and say goodbye to it? Would you let me do that? And, and his eyes were broken. And I just, I just remember in that moment, I was like, I can't do this. Welcome back for another episode of the Perfectly Wonderfully Made podcast. I'm Elise, and I'll be your host today as we chat about the journey to becoming a parent. I believe parenthood allows each of us a glimpse into the heart of a creator who so desperately wants us to know just how chosen, designed, called, and beautiful we are. He sees you perfectly, wonderfully made. So welcome, friends. Relax and be encouraged today. It feels like fall today. I'm sitting here in the cabin recording, and I just turned the heater on, like officially turned the heater on. It's pouring down rain outside, and it's definitely feeling like fall. I'm a little bit more okay with it today than I have in the week's prior pat on the back for me I suppose my little people are finally starting to feel better hallelujah and I'm loving getting back into more of a routine this week at our house it's so good this last week one of my sweet friends Catherine hosted a beautiful dinner for a bunch of my girlfriends at her house I just left that dinner thinking to myself about how blessed I was by her gift of hospitality. There is just something so incredible about being together, eating food, and laughing. You know, like the kind of laughter you have with your girlfriends when you're not worried about anything else in that moment. It's just so good for your soul. There's a book, Kristen Shell has an awesome book. It's called The Turquoise Table. It's all about building community right where you're at. I would definitely encourage you all to read it. Whatever season you're in right now, invite a friend over this week. Build some community and be blessed by just being with another mama. Okay, I also wanted to tell you all about my new free email course I created for pregnant mamas out there. It's a six-day email course on how to have the best birth experience possible. Y'all know I'm super passionate about creating a birth experience and empowering women to make the decisions that are best for them. This is really going to be an awesome tool for a lot of women out there. Head on over to my website, elisemarsh.com, and sign up for this free course and have one lesson delivered each day to your inbox. 
Today on the show, you guys, I'll be chatting with my friend, Amanda Gandy. Amanda is a wife and a mama to two little boys. They're three and 18 months. She's got her hands full. I first met Amanda when she started training with me to become a childbirth educator about a year ago. Amanda and I became friends so quickly and so easily. She was just one of those people you want to be friends with. Amanda shares her story with us about getting pregnant unexpectedly, her decision to keep her baby, and the shame she carried with her into her marriage for those first few years. She has an incredible story, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So here we go. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you you so much for coming. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming to the cabin with me. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. So Amanda and I just sat here for an hour and (laughs) had this amazing conversation. Yes. And I did not hit the record button. Yeah. It was quite a travesty, so I just had a cookie, and we are going to get another go at this. Yes, second time. Second Second time's a charm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Amanda, tell our listeners, who are you? Who are those special people in your life? What does your life look like right now? I am married. Uh, Jeremiah is my husband. Uh, We've been married for about four years now, and we just bought a little house in Buckley. It's the cutest little teeny tiny 900 square feet in the Hoyd world. We're so excited. Um, I have two kids. Simon is three, almost four, and Henry is about 18 months old. I have four brothers who live nearby, which is super fun to be able to have family so close. Um, About two of them are married now and my sister-in-law just announced that she's pregnant and so we're all so excited finally I get to have a little niece or nephew um to love and kiss and get to see so we're we're super excited about that that's awesome so how do we know each other how did we meet yeah I was trying to get my certification to become a childbirth educator and I one of my requirements was I had to observe like 500 classes before I could sit and take my test to um to get my certification um and our boss now um she was really recommending that I observe one of your one of your classes and she just said you know this girl's amazing she's so great and so I was like okay great um, so I, you know, it was cleared with you and I walked into your, your childbirth room and I said, Hey, my name is Amanda. Thank you so much for letting me come and observe you. And you looked at me like you had no idea I was coming. And you said, I had no idea you were coming. <laughs> and I, was I like, remember right. saying that to you. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I was like, I'll just go sit in the corner now and not speak again until the class is over. <laughs> so I sat in the corner and I watched you. Um, and I just fell in love with you. You were so amazing. And I loved just, I loved how your students, you interacted with them and inspired them and encouraged them. And honestly, I got to see, you know, their confidence build throughout the class and to have them walk away with such confidence, um, and excitement for birth was just really moving to me. I just thought, man, what a gift this is. And so you really encouraged and inspired me to be the best educator I could be. Um, and after that class, you know, 
I you warmed up to me, I think. And oh yeah, I remember <laughs> you walked in with your cute little pregnant belly. You were pregnant with Henry at the time, and you were wearing those Birkenstocks. Yes. And it was summer, and you had this cute little summer dress on. And I was like, I love this girl and her excitement for birth. You were so fresh yes. and yes. ready to learn and. I just love that. People who are teachable are one of my favorite types of people to be yes. around. So I just so enjoyed getting to know you. Yes. Oh, and I, you, Elise. Um, I just remember you just scooped me up and you just said, I would love to mentor you or just do anything that I could do to help you. And um, and that just meant the world to me because to find someone with a teacher's heart is is someone that you want to hold on to and never let them go. And so you really did. You were a resource for me and such a, an encouragement. Um, and and that has, you know, kind of begun a really awesome friendship. Um, and we have birth in common. I'm a doula as well. And so, you know, when you get to find someone who really relates on that level of that kind of, you know, it's hard work, it's amazing work. And you've just got all, you know, all levels of intensity as far as your emotions go. And to be able to have someone like that who loves the Lord and who, you know, it, it, the, the fact that you're more experienced than me is just your resource. And I just... Um, cherish you and your friendship. Just think you're the best. Oh, Amanda, you're awesome. Mm -hmm. So Amanda and I have, have had a fun time getting to know each other over the last about nine months, I'd yeah. say. Mm -hmm. And we also are friends on Voxer. Yes. So for those of you who don't know what Voxer is, go find me on Voxer. It's one of my favorite apps. <laughs> I think Amanda and I talk on Boxer multiple times a day, yes. which is super fun. So, so fun. I'm so excited for you all to chat with my friend Amanda tonight and hear her story. It's pretty incredible. Yay. Can you share with us, how did you meet Jeremiah? I had um, I had been living in North Carolina and I had just moved home. Um, to Washington State and was feeling a little bit lost and like, oh, I don't know what to do with my life. And so um, I had just found this friend group and we had all just become bosom buddies. And we had fr frequented this bar um, and they were like, oh my goodness, this guy, is, his name's Jeremiah. He's um, he's a really good friend of ours. You should get to know him. And I was like, all right. Um, I was dating uh, someone at the time. Um, and I remember looking over across the bar and and seeing Jeremiah he's a super tall black guy with long dreadlocks it's hard to miss him really is um and he was standing there smiling talking to someone and I just remember being so drawn to him you know there's some there's something about Jeremiah that people love and that people gravitate towards you know he's a genuine pure soul that just wants to love people and be loved by people he's the best um and so I just remember watching all these people come up to him and talk to him and he really found value in every single person he talked to and I could just tell by the way that he communicated with them um, and so my heart was just on the floor and it had, I had just never met someone or felt that way about someone like I needed to be his and I needed him to be mine so I just remember on the drive home I you know I talked to my girlfriends and I was like we must break him and his girlfriend up. I need him in my life. Um, and so we we for sure did. You guys were like mean girl we were style. Mean. Yeah, but you know what? I am married to that man. <laughs> and I so we did a good job. Um, we did. We broke them up. It was, I have to say, it was great. 
um, I'm so thrilled that. And your boyfriend at the time, he hit the road. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yes, several, quite shortly yeah. after that. Several days after that decision was made, I was like, "Look, buddy, you know, my brother actually wrote the text out because I remember laying on the floor, listening to Bruce Springsteen and telling my brother, "I'm destitute. I'm destitute." <laughs> And he was like, good grief. He took my phone and wrote out the breakup text and and it was sent and it was done. And so after that, I was like, just all engines go towards Jeremiah. So um, we did, you know, he he broke up and we, we ended up getting together and my whole life changed as I know it. I just fell madly in love with this man. We started dating. He lived in a Winnebago trailer on our friend's property. Which a was win. When? A win. Like, that's a oh, win. yes. <laughs> that's a win. Winnebago. <laughs> yes. I, that was a huge selling point for me. I was like, this guy lives in a trailer. And my brother was pretty concerned. I think my whole family was. But I was like, no, he's like, he's really cool. Um, he has dreadlocks. He lives in a trailer. And, um, and he's a hard worker. It's like an oxymoron, right? I mean, the guy was just amazing. So working hard, putting himself through school. We started dating. And about three weeks into dating, um, I found out that I was pregnant which just kind of like spy, just um, opened up the door to this whole crazy journey of the last four years of our lives. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How did you tell Jeremiah you were yeah. pregnant? I, I mean, I remember finding out I was pregnant in my apartment that I shared with my brother. Um, I was staring at the test and I just was like, oh my gosh. Um, and I went to go babysit some kids afterwards. And I remember just sitting there staring at these little monsters thinking, oh God, no, you know? Um, and so I thought, you know, I have to tell Jeremiah after this. And so I went to the trailer and... I was like, I got to talk to you about something. And, um, and I said, I'm pregnant. And I just remember him sitting there and nothing really phases Jeremiah. He's like a big, mighty oak tree. He just is, he's just a steady all the time. He is my steady. And he was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we hadn't really known each other that well. So he said, you know, ultimately it's whatever, you know, what are you thinking? What's, what's, he was just trying to get in my head. And I was like, well, you know, I've already been to Planned Parenthood. You know, I, my goal here is to be done. I, I want to pretend that this never happened and was just really planning on, on having that abortion. I, I remember sitting there as the lady read me, you know, the, how the procedure was and, you know, planning a day. And, you know, Jam and I had also, we had looked online. There's uh, this thing you can do where you take your face and your partner's face and, and it'll like put them together and show you what your kids will look like. Really? Like on, um, what's that movie? How to lose a guy in ten days? Yeah, when Kate Hudson yes. takes the photos. Yes, there's a that's, that's a, real a real thing. thing. Yeah, they looked like little demons. Oh goodness! Yeah. So I thought, yeah, this can't happen. This can't, we can't do happen. this. <laughs> yes, um, and but I just I remember loving Jeremiah like. I loved this man so deeply and I saw what a good man he was um, that I thought, you know, if I have this abortion, I knew that we would never be the same. Um, but I knew that going forward, I, I couldn't have this baby. I could not have this baby. You know, I come from a Christian family with strong values. We were homeschooled growing up. I just felt like I I will ruin my family. I You know, I just, I was in a really tough situation here. Uh, Jeremiah just looked at me, you know, because I was like, I'm doing this. I'm sorry. I can't have a baby with you. And he just said to me, can I hold 
the baby after it comes out of out of you and, and say goodbye to it. Would you let me do that? And and his eyes were broken. There was just this broken man mm-hmm. sitting in front of me. And I just I just remember in that moment I was like, I can't do this. I can't be okay with myself after he just humanized this baby. You know, sure. After I yeah. spent days and days telling myself it's it's not you know, it's not a real baby. It's okay. Um and so so at that moment we had a conversation and I was like, I'm not doing this. I can't, you know, I can't half-ass this. We had, we had friends that had gone pregnant and they were still partying and kind of going on living their life the same. And this child had just kind of been lost in the mix of their, of their own brokenness. And so the reality for me was like, I'm going to have to get whole and get healed, you know, and, and we have to be together and, and make this life great for this child. We can't just like limp along. I want to do this 100% if we're going to do this. And so he sat there and he said, I'm in, I'm all in with you. And, and it was this really cool moment. And I know it sounds like, um, it sounds crazy to commit yourself to this man that I hadn't known, but for maybe one or two months tops and had been dating only for, uh, three weeks. Um, but there was this peace over the chaos, or Mm. I would say under, there's like an undercurrent of peace that I felt in that situation where it was like, this was it, this was what I was going to do. And that's what, that's what we did. (laughs) Um, Not to say that there are not consequences. I mean, I fell into a very, very deep, dark depression. I remember crying and crying for days and days and I would just cry myself to sleep. And when I would wake up, I would I would think, oh, am I not pregnant? Am I not pregnant? Um, and then I would just fall right back to sleep, you know, crying myself to sleep real- when I realized that I was pregnant. Um, and after a couple weeks went by, I got a call from an old mentor of mine. And she said, and I hadn't talked to her in years. And she was like, hey, Amanda. And I was like, I'm going to smoke my last cigarette right now, you know. And I had, I was just about to smoke. And she calls and she's like, I don't know why, but I just felt like the Lord told me to call you. And I was like, I, I'm pregnant, my Ellen. And she was like, I knew something was going on. And at that moment, she was like, you, you have to tell your mom, you have to do this the right way. Way, you know, you're going to be okay. You just have to keep moving forward in the right direction. Um, and so after the phone call, I went to my mom's house and she was a single mom at the time. My dad had left several years earlier. Um, and so I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm just going to break her and devastate her. She was really, you know, I'm the only daughter and my brothers were kind of having a hard time. And so there was a lot of hope there for Amanda, the daughter to, to be, be okay, you know? And so I got there and my mom was like, Amanda, you're so beautiful. It's so good to see you. And my brothers were so happy to see me. And I just remember feeling like, you know, every time they smiled at me, it was like, oh, so painful because I was like, I'm about to break your guys' hearts, you know. I'm but isn't that just the enemy? Yeah. Who yeah. comes in and just washes you with shame. Yeah, 100%. And this beautiful gift that you carried, yeah. you felt such guilt for. That, I mean, I felt that I had re- I re-identified myself in those moments saying, you know, I'm, I'm worthless. I am full of shame. You know, I identified myself as just, um, someone who gets pregnant out of marriage, you know, my life was never going to be the way it could have been. So I sat in the bedroom with my mom and I said, you know, think of the very worst thing that could happen. Um, and, and that, and that's probably what has happened. And she just looked at me and she said, you're pregnant. And she looked out the window and just said, wow. 
And I just, oh, I just, I was broken in half. And, you know, I, I knew that she was thinking like, you know, well, okay, I'm going to have to take care of this girl and her baby while she's working three jobs, you know, trying to provide for my brothers. And so I just felt devastated and just really, I was just really heavily depressed. I just felt like my whole life, you know, I had this my whole life ahead of me. I never wanted kids or to be married. You know, I came from a broken home. My dad just destroyed the family. And so I just was, you know, I, it was typical as a product of, of that that broken marriage. And so for me, it was like I had to really deal with all, all of the issues that I had about my my parents' marriage and all those hurts. It just felt like they were right there in front of me because I was about to be a mother. And so it was deep. It was dark there. And um, I remember I just basically lived in the house in my little apartment. I didn't really leave much. I was just sad. And my aunt and my cousin came over one day full of a whole gift basket full of uh, like ginger related things. And they were like, you know, just they, they were smiling so big, so excited to be a part of of my my little journey and that's so typical of my aunt my aunt linda and my cousin Alyssa. they just love people they're just so special um so anyways i just felt like man they really they they cared about me um and that meant so much and i was at a graduation party and i had this an old mentor of mine came up to me and she said you know uh, we're gonna take you and and i'm gonna buy you everything that you could ever want you know as far as baby related or anything you might need cribs, mattresses, you know, clothes, whatever, diaper bags. Um, And she said, because you're worth it and your baby deserves to be celebrated and you deserve to be celebrated. And that was so good. It was so good. It was like, it was like, (gasps) like the Lord still sees me. Like I'm still worth something. It was like a second. There was these little moments where I got to take a deep breath and be like, you know, say, say something other than hear something other than, you know, you're a piece of crap. You know, I, it was, it was really cool. So I had been seeing an OBGYN for my pregnancy was planning on delivering at a local hospital and at uh, our 36 week appointment we went and I was asking my my OB you know hey is there anything that you're going to do to support my perineum um, to to reduce my risk of tearing basically and it was just a simple question and she just got this really grumpy weird stank face and looked at me like I was nuts and she was like no that's more of a midwife thing um, and then just hurried on and, and, and left the room. And I remember the drive home and I, I thought, man, that didn't feel good how she answered that question, Jeremiah. And he was like, yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, and so I had some really strong Brexit Hicks that, that night. And I felt this like fire well up inside of me. Like I had no, no real will to live at that point, <laughs> but this like little spark came back and I was like, I don't want to go deliver this baby out of hospital with a lady who's going to treat me like that. I want to be somewhere where I feel loved and, and safe um, so that I, I can welcome this baby into the world, you know, the best way that I, I, I can. I looked at him and I said, what if we changed to midwifery care and, and I delivered the baby at my mom's house? Um, and she had just gotten married and they had bought in this huge house in the woods and they had this beautiful clawfoot bathtub in a room full of windows and their bathroom was beautiful. So um, Jeremiah was like, as he always is, that's a great idea. Let's do it. You know, I believe in you. He always believes in me, um, anything I want to do. So, so we did, I called around, found a midwife. She was great. Just teeny tiny little lady and, uh, her really wonderful birth assistant. Um, so we were just so excited. We, we booked her 
um, talked to my mom and my mom was thrilled. She was so excited. I mean, she just sounded the alarms to all of my, my, my family. She was like, we're going to, everyone come to the birth of, of little Simon and everyone was going to come. And I just felt like, I felt like this is great. You know, it was really this special moment. So everyone decided to come for the birth um, and they were all on call. And my mom had bought all these cinnamon rolls and quiches and all sorts of food to just kind of entertain these people during my birth. That's awesome. And at some point you and Jeremiah had decided to get married. Yeah. Yes. When I was three months pregnant, we, we got married, you know, we had a a really honest conversation, you know, after we decided to really stick together and be together and really do this well, we, you know, talked to our family and everyone I know, I come from a really creative and musical family and they're passionate and they're full of color and life. And they were like, we're going to help you get married. And they made the most beautiful wedding for Jeremiah and I and we were made to feel like kings and queens and they spoke life over us and they believed in us and it felt like we had this community of people who lifted us up and believed in us even when maybe we didn't even believe in ourselves that's so good Amanda it was amazing it was so great so yeah, so we were married at the time. Um, we Jam can't really gain weight, but I had gained about a hundred pounds because I just lived at Red Robin. Red Robin solved all my emotional issues <laughs> when I was awesome. pregnant. It was part of your <laughs> healing process. Yes, absolutely. in this journey. Uh, yes, I just I went for it. Like I just I went hard. You know, large milkshakes all the time. So it was it. I ate well. So what was your birth like? <laughs> this beautiful home birth. It yeah. sounds like just a lovely setting. Yeah. Yeah. peace and calm. So Jeremiah had been reading to me at night because I had asked him to. We read me Ina May Gaskin spiritual midwifery and he's so sweet and he did. And so I just remember I was just kind of laying in bed listening to him read me these stories of these women, you know, who had gone before me and had their babies and these, you know, outdoors in these beautiful settings. And it comforted me, you know, and it just felt like it paved away for me. Um, and so my water had, I had had one contraction and then the next contraction came and I felt a pop and my water had broke. And all of a sudden I was just thrown into the throes of labor. There really was no easing into it. It was just, it was pretty hard and fast there. Um, and so we let my midwife know and we drove down to my mom's house and we got there and there was just a beautiful fire going and jazz music and, you know, um, just the whole room was set up so beautifully for us. My birth was 10 hours. Really, it was just beautiful. I look back to that and I just thought, I just think um, it was so sweet and so peaceful. And um, I felt so prepared for the birth part of it. You know, I, I really feel like the biggest thing for me was reading those birth stories was huge um, from Ina May. I uh, just felt like I drew strength from them, you know, at the hardest parts of labor. Um, I remember around transition, it must have been because I looked at my midwife and I said, am I almost done yet? And she looked at me, you know, and she just said, I don't know. I'm not sure. And my doula could sense this kind of disparity that was washing over me. And she leaned in and she said, Amanda, you're almost done. You're almost done. And it was a risky move on her part. I know for sure, but it, it made me feel so hopeful that I just cruised. I mean, I had confidence and I cruised because my doula told me that I was almost done. And so it would be true if my doula told me. And so um, I, I did. I was almost done. I think that boost of just happiness and, um, and energy just helped me cruise through the end. Um, I pushed little Henry out. Or, oops, Simon. Yeah, it was beautiful. My mother-in-law says, you know, 
that was not a birth. Mm-mm, that was not a birth. Like, she just says, like, there's no way. The way you labored, you know, it was too beautiful to be a birth. You did, you know, she's just so funny. But it was. It really was a beautiful birth. So, yeah. So what were those first months like? postpartum, mm-hmm. adjusting to having a new baby. Mm-hmm. You guys are still newlyweds. Yeah. But how did your relationship with Jeremiah change during that time, mm-hmm. bringing Simon home? What were some of those challenges in that first year mm-hmm. with Simon? It was really hard. Um, it gets better, but I really struggled with depression still. You know, um, I never really felt proud. You know, I never felt like this is my child. It felt like I just felt so that shame just carried. It just kind of redefined me. And I just, I just allowed it. Um, and Jeremiah struggled as well. You know, he, um, he picked up fishing. That's kind of how he dealt with all the changes. And and the man does nothing half-heartedly. So he was gone at three in the morning, fly fish. I mean, fly fishing YouTubes all the time. Like his whole world was fly fishing. Um, and so there was, you know, it was really hard. It was a lot. You know, we had this marriage to nurture. We had this child to raise and a whole life to figure out. You know, we were supposed to go find careers now and and provide for each other or for our family. And it just was, it was crushing. It was a lot. Wow. Yeah. Was there anything that was helpful for you in that Mm -hmm. season? How Mm -hmm. did you break free from that Mm -hmm. shame and guilt that you Mm -hmm. had felt? I didn't break free from that until my second pregnancy with Henry. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was really hard for a couple of years for me, really, really challenging, just feeling like, um, yeah, just feeling so ashamed. And even, even when I was like getting over it, you know, the enemy would say, you almost killed him. You almost aborted him. Like you didn't see value in this child's life. And so it would come at me from another angle where I was like, oh yeah, I, I do. I'm a piece of crap, you know? So no matter what way I looked at it, it was, it was like, I felt like, I'm never going to rise above this. I'm going to, ch- I'm going to be struggling for the rest of my life. And, and it was hard, <laughs> but, um, Jeremiah and I, we decided to have another baby when Simon was about two years old and we were like, we're going to do this. You know, we were doing, we, we were doing well. I had, you know, I felt like I could identify with myself again, as far as my body goes. I feel like it takes a long time to really identify again with your body. Yeah. It's a, it's a long process. Um, and so I was like, you know, feeling good. You know, I just thought, let's, let's do this. I'm ready for another baby. We got pregnant with Henry. Um, at the time we were still living with my brother. When I found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, it's time for us to move out and get our own place. You know, I can't, I can't live here anymore with, with my brother. I'm, I'm just feeling like it's time. It's time to move on. Uh, we found an apartment. I just remember moving into that apartment and feeling like, why am I not feeling happy? Why do I still feel like crap? Um, and I found this book at my mom's house and it's called Get Out of That Pit um, by Beth Moore. And I was like, oh gosh, it's like a self-help book. But I started reading through it. Um, and she just talks about how, um, you know, if you live in a nasty, stinky RV and someone buys you this beautiful new house and you say, thank you so much. And then you get in your RV and you crash through into the living room in your RV and you're sitting in your RV saying, I'm in this new house, but I still smell so stinky, you know? And, and I, I had identified so much with that. And I called Jeremiah. I said, I'm in a pit, Jeremiah. And he was like, oh gosh, like, what does that even mean? But for me, it was like, I, 
I could breathe again. There was something actually going on with me. I was taking this old situation into every place I was moving into. Um, and the shame just carried into each new season of life. And I was like, no more. I, I can't do this anymore. And so, you know, it leads you through these prayers. And, and I started to read through them. And it, at the same time, like the Lord was bringing people into my life who were just, you know, speaking life over me um, and, and believing in me and seeing worth in me. And so I just felt it was several weeks where I was just crying and I was being delivered, honestly, from all of that shame from Simon. And all of a sudden, this joy just overwhelmed me at the thought of this new life. You know, Henry was this this new, this new little person that was coming into the world. And it was like a new season for me. This is going to be my new season. You know, it was like my take back pregnancy. I love that. That's so good. Mm-hmm. And I love to see how God was so faithful to you mm-hmm. in the crappy, yes. hard seasons. Mm-hmm. And he was still so faithful to you yeah. when you had joy. Yes. When you felt despair yeah. and when you felt joy, yeah. the Lord was so good mm-hmm. in both areas of your life. I yeah. know it's so easy to, when we have the new house mm-hmm. or the new baby mm-hmm. and we're finally pregnant, to say, oh God, you're so good. Thank yeah. you for your faithfulness. Yeah. But the Lord is still faithful mm-hmm. when we don't have that new baby mm-hmm. or we're in a hard situation or we've lost our home or, yeah. or whatever it could be. But yeah. I love to hear you speak that God is good mm-hmm. in in both of those seasons that he doesn't change. His goodness yeah. doesn't change for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And even the name Simon for me was like, if I don't feel good, I'm still going to proclaim it over this season. So I said, Jeremiah, I found the meaning of the name Simon in this one translation is he has heard. So I I said, even if I don't think God can hear me, I'm going to proclaim it over my season and say, you know, I was shouting God down from the heavens during that pregnancy. And so I just declared that. And to finally feel breakthrough was just huge for me um, when I was pregnant with Henry. We were also told with Henry that, uh, that he had down syndrome and I got a call one day, Jeremiah was at work, you know, um, I was so excited. I got this call and they said, yep, you know, the test results came back. Um, he's, he's got a really high percentage, you know, high, high percentage that he has down syndrome. So, you know, here's your options that, 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 that she kept talking and all of a sudden, I couldn't hear anything else she was saying. I just fell on the floor weeping. Um, And I just felt this war going on. You know, I just felt the enemy trying to take this precious life that I was so excited about. Now I'm excited and now this life is being threatened. Um, And I felt this overwhelming sense that Henry's going to die. And I remember calling my aunt and saying, hey, he's going to die. I feel like he's going to die. And she prayed and prayed and she sent me this text one day and she said you know henry will live and i clung to that throughout that pregnancy and we lived in these uh, maternal fetal medicine clinics and every time we went there they found something else that was wrong with him and in a time of chaos and confusion i i clung to the fact that henry will live and there must be a reason why there's such a war going on over the life of this child um and i felt confident you know i i just i declare life over this baby we went forth you know, just praising the Lord for him and believing that he, he would be fine. You know, we, we declined a lot of the invasive testing because we were like, why, why do that when we're going to love him just the same, no matter what, you know? Right. We were told that we probably weren't going to be able to have a home birth. Um, but at the very last visit we had, he said, why not just have one? There's nothing we're going to do differently in the hospital. And so for me, it was like, awesome, great. 
And so we did the same at my mom's house this time. I went into labor. My bag of waters broke at three in the morning. And I, I woke Jeremiah up. Oh my goodness, my wa- my water broke. This is this is happening. Nothing, nothing happened. You know, there was no contractions after that. And I was like, oh my goodness. I'd kind of I'd gotten back in bed, but you know, you're just not going to sleep, especially sure. at three in the morning. I was like, yeah, it's not gonna happen. So around six in the morning, we all woke up and decided to go to my mom's house and just hang out. We did, and we just spent the whole day there hanging out with family and um, we had a barbecue and yeah, just relaxed. It was weird, I will say, because I felt like I had all this energy to go into labor, but then it just started feeling like this is weird. Still no labor, still no contractions, really just maybe here and there. And there was something that just felt weird. I felt like something is going on here. I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was something in my intuition that was saying like something is just like different. Something's not right. And at seven o'clock, right before my mom came home with a burger for me, I went into labor. I remember she walked in and she looked at me and I was on the floor. She said something to me like, good, now go for a walk, go for a walk. And I was like, no, this is it, mom, this is it. And so I was like on my hands and knees and I crawled into her room and I told no one to follow me um, except Jeremiah. You know, I started laboring um, pretty hard and it was a hard labor, Elise. I mentally wasn't there. Like I wasn't there. I think, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I felt, I feel like there was something about me that knew that something wasn't right. And so I struggled. Um, my doula came, a really good friend and mentor to me. Um, and so she showed up and I was so thankful to have her there. But at one point I remember I had a TENS unit on my back. I was on my hands and knees and there was like six people around me and I was not coping with my contractions. I was struggling. Um, and my doula could see that her name's Trisha and she's the best thing in the whole wide world. I'll sing that lady's praises till the day I die. Um, and she just looked at me and she was like, Mm-mm. and she kicked everyone out. She said, everyone needs to leave Amanda alone. Um, and she stuck me in the bathtub with my husband and she said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go out. Um, and you just let me know if you need me. Um, and it was like, that was the time that I finally started coping with my contractions. And it had been a good, like, uh, five hours. Um, and so finally, you know, I would have a contraction and Jeremiah would pour boiling hot water over my stomach and I would just be silent, you know, and I would just go into this deep place and think it's almost over. It's almost over. And then my contraction would end. He would turn the water off and we would talk about what we were going to eat after or, you know, really normal things. And that was what was going to keep me calm, just being normal, talking about what show we were going to watch afterwards. And then when my contraction would come, it was so strong that I felt like I, I couldn't even acknowledge that it was there. I just had to go inside myself. And around that time, I had stood up and said, I need to go to the hospital. And it was so out of the blue. And my midwife just kind of looked at me and everyone was silent. You know, if you're a home birther and you say you want to go to the hospital for an epidural because something's not right, um, I feel like there's a little bit, you know, this is kind of like an awkward situation. And I just remember saying, like, there's something that's just not right. I'm not doing okay. I'm not okay. But I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and just try and give it another hour. And then we'll see where we're at. And so an hour goes by and I'm 10 centimeters. It's great. You know, I'm, I'm ready to push push Henry out. And um, he comes out just fine. And it's this beautiful moment where I just burst 
out just in just um, uh, affection for this little baby. I mean, I remember being so curious as to what he looked like and just saying, I can't believe you're here. You're so beautiful. He was the most perfect thing in the whole world. And, uh, you know, I had all of my girl cousins and sister-in-laws right at the entryway, just poking their heads and staring at me. And so he had come out and um, everyone was like, oh, the water's clear because my last, you know, my placenta took a while to get out with Henry. And so everyone was like, the water's clear. This is fine. This is good. And I'd been in the the bathtub for about uh, 30 minutes when my midwife was like, okay, well, let's go ahead and get out. Um, And as soon as I stood up, it was just like the floodgates had kind of opened up. At some point, the cord was cut. I don't really remember. It's kind of a blur. My placenta is just not coming out um, at this point. And fast forward about uh, three hours, um, there's just a lot of blood. It, It was pretty bad. And so there was a decision that they were trying to make as to what to do. I had gotten several shots of Pitocin. I, I was starting to feel a little delirious. You know, I, I had Henry on me nursing. He nursed just fine. But everything we were doing wasn't working. And so and so she said, let's get you up and move you to the bed and we'll try something there. So I stood up and I got really dizzy and it just it was not a good situation when I stood up, just kind of like the floodgates had opened. And, um, um, so at that point, my, my doula really sat there with me. I could see the concern on her face. Thankfully I can read her really well. My doula was like, Amanda, what do you, you know, what are you going to do here? Do you want us to call 911? She was kind of giving me, you know, the, the benefits of that. And, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm ready to call 911. And just to have her say, this is a good decision. And so 911 was called and my mom lives deep in the woods. It took them about 45 minutes to get there and they had no idea what they were walking into. And so they get there and they are like, uh, speaking of which my, my doula ran, ran to the road. My doula of all people runs to the road and like ushers them in, finds them and leads them into into my mom's house. It was amazing. I mean, the woman's incredible. And so finally they get me on the gurney and I was like, Trisha is coming with me and my mom is coming with me. Like it was like, those are the people that needed to be with me. And I, I knew it. And I wanted Jeremiah to be with the baby. Um, and Henry was going to stay. I don't really know how all those decisions were made, but that's kind of what happened. So we get into the ambulance and we finally start moving. Um, Trisha's in the front seat with, uh, with, Uh, one of the paramedics and my mom was in the back with me and they weren't able to find a vein in the back. And so, um, meanwhile, I mean, I I'm bleeding so much that it's running off of the gurney. Uh, My mom was just sitting there, you know, she had this look on her face and I have a special relationship with my mom. I think, you know, after you go through so much being the only daughter, uh, it was kind of this special moment where there was this thick silence that held in the air. And I, I became, I became really aware of what was happening and that I might die because it had been so long and I was starting to feel really out of it. And there's just this thick, thick silence and peace um, as we were driving. And then all of a sudden this last contraction comes and I'm, you know, I'm like really vocalizing through that and that another blood clot comes and that more blood starts spilling over. Um, and all of a sudden, all of my vitals drop. And it was this moment where I thought I, I might die right now. And, and all of the machines started to beep and it just became kind of this flurry where I heard 
one of the paramedics that was with me, he started banging on the window, screaming, we're losing her. And I felt myself starting to leave my body. Wow. And it was Amanda. This, yeah, it wow. was crazy. I remember like, like feeling the hand of the Lord on me as I was leaving the ambulance. And I knew in that moment, like I looked, I, I could see my mom's face and it, it threw me back to being, you know, uh, 12 years old living in our house and hearing a sound in the middle of the night and peeking out of my door and seeing my mom laying hands over my brother's door, who was really struggling with my dad leaving and her speaking in tongues, you know, over his door every single night and knowing that she did the same for me um, and feeling the weight of those prayers in this moment where I hung in between life and death. You know, I felt this thickness and I felt the hand of the Lord on me and I felt him say you can never say that I don't have control of your life you know that I have not been present for you and he's holding me there and I feel the reality of him and I knew that I could never deny his hand on my life from then on it was like I don't know it was like everything came clear to me like okay okay from now on I can never deny the goodness of God in my life. And so um, in that moment, um, I felt my, you know, there was just a whirl of, of you know, me getting to the hospital and um, having, having my placenta removed and then, you know, starting to pass out and the bed being inverted and then smacking my face. It was like Grey's Anatomy. So, wow. um, and so then, you know, everything ended up being okay. I had several blood transfusions and um, just a kind of a rough recovery, but... Yeah, it was a crazy birth. Definitely some some PTSD from that one for sure. Oh yeah, just kind of trying to process all of that. And um, I think Henry, I, I can't prove it, but I think Henry has had some of that as well, some separation anxiety because he would not leave me. And it was like this weird tie I had to this child who I prayed over and declared life over. We would not be apart from each other. Like, honestly, like even Jeremiah could barely hold the kid. He had to be on me. And it made for a really challenging time trying to have a life. But um, I just remember this really tight connection with Henry there as we processed all of that. And I felt Henry had had felt the reality of that separation as well. And so um, that was a really crazy birth for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's insane. Yeah. So crazy. Okay, Amanda, that was such an incredible birth story. I love that. I think yeah. my favorite part was that for the rest of your days, you will never be able to deny the hand of the Lord on your life. Yes. You are so called and yeah. so chosen yes. and so perfect. And you are this mama for those boys and this wife for Jeremiah. Yeah. And I just love the destiny mm-hmm. on your life yeah. and the calling that the Lord has for you. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So I want to change gears Yeah. Uh, for just a minute here. So you are a mama to, you are a white person. Can yeah. we say that? Yeah, can we I say, think so. Can we say white person? Okay. Yeah. So you're a white mama and you yeah. have two black boys married yes. to a black man. Yes. Given, you know, all that's going on in our world right now in our society um there's it's that's just heavy stuff yeah it's just heavy yeah you know there's biases there's yeah. white privilege there's a whole slew of stuff yeah. um in our culture especially even in the last few weeks yeah. what is it like being a white mom raising these black boys yeah. today yeah 
That's a really good question. And I wish I had something super deep and profound to say. Most of the time, you know, we just feel the hurt um, of the black community that is, is, isn't seen as hurt. It's more seen um, as hostility and anger. Um, but, you know, our hope is that the church would see the hurt of the black community and reach out and address it as hurt and not rebellion. You know, we live in Buckley, kind of a, a of like a podunk town, and Jeremiah was terrified to live out here. Um, and the first kind of exposure to any kind of angst um, between the colors was Jeremiah had cut a guy off up here in Bonnie Lake where we live, and uh, this guy yelled the N-word at him and some other profanities. Wow. And for me, it was like, like I had never been exposed to something like that. So I don't, I don't know. I do feel like in certain situations, you know, when we're meeting neighbors and things like that, you know, subconsciously, I do feel like I want to make sure I'm there so that I can be the face of our family and they can know I'm white and make sure that they treat us nicely. Because after seeing several instances of Jeremiah kind of being stereotyped or, or not treated as the man he is, such an incredible man, I don't know. I don't really have any great answers for that, except I just pray. I I have taken a note from my mom and I pray for our culture. <laughs> and And that's just about you know, all I can do. It's heartbreaking. And as a mom, you watch your children. I want to make sure that they're treated the same as everyone else. But um, I I watch them sometimes and just want to make sure, you know, that they're going to treat them the same way that they treat everyone else. Um, But, you know, we were at uh, in Tacoma, we went to this kind of rally for peace, basically, not on either side, but just a a rally to come together. And a lady came up to me and Jeremiah afterwards, and she said, you guys are the answer, you know, and so just to to love, we just want to love and, and yeah, I don't, So what's one thing, you know, you have two black sons. What's one thing growing up in our culture you would want your sons to Mm -hmm. grow up knowing? Say, for example, your boys are teenagers right now and they're watching everything going on right now with the NFL and Mm -hmm. all of that that's been going on the last few months or weeks. Yeah. What would you speak into their lives? What would you want them to know? Like, what are those core values that you would want to instill in your boys? It's okay to be hurt, you know, that it's okay to be hurt by what's going on. But but there's a line there. You know, I, I want my kids to be able to have heart, to reach out and to be healers and not just to march because they're angry, but to to want to resolve and want to mend, you know. You know, a, a lot of, I see so much anger out there and no and it's displaced no one really knows what to do about it and so it creates division and there's really no resolution that's resolved or that that happens there's no resolution and so I want I want my my boys coming from both sides to be bridge builders you know what I mean because they really I mean my side of the family is very much so privileged and and Jeremiah's isn't so much you know and so to be able to have that experience from both um, I want them to go on to be bridge builders and to see hurt and to be able to love and to be great at at love because I think sometimes that that's all someone needs. There's such great division in the world that it feels really overwhelming. And for Jeremiah, especially he can't even get into it because it's too deep and it's too heavy a lot of the time. Um, And so for them to be able to just rise and to love greatly 
to love greatly and to be bridge builders. Yeah. Maybe even not to identify with either side because they probably won't be able to, you know? Right. Um, and, and Jeremiah has felt that way too. I can't go to South Tacoma because I don't know how to talk like that. Um, but, but you know, the, the privileged white community isn't going to see me as one of them either. And so he feels very right. much in between as well. He's, so amazing as he's gone before and he loves so so deeply and he has no judgments towards anyone which is I've just never met such a pure soul so for them to be able to be raised underneath a man like that I think is a great privilege to our culture and our nation yeah that's incredible yeah love that okay so what's one thing what's a major theme that God's working on working out in your life right now yeah you've got a three-year-old and yeah. an 18-month-old, yeah. you're working, your wife, mm-hmm. what's one thing that God's doing um, or speaking into your life right now? You know, not getting lost in the busyness. I just see so, I, our culture is obsessed with being busy and it, um, and there's a lot of comparison that goes on there. And so the Lord is calling me into the quiet place, you know, and I, I know that the Lord is there. He's in the waiting. And so I am believing for something great in my children's life and in my life. You know, we all want significance. And so he's calling me into the quiet. We all want these great lives that matter and so I found that by doing one thing he's called me to do one thing and make one habit um, of meeting with him and finding him in the quiet Um, and so at five o'clock in the morning I have this standing appointment with the Lord where I I get down there and down and dirty and I process with him Um, instead of processing with others he's called me to process with him and so in that I'm feeling his voice and his presence more and more every single day just so I can live a life of significance which I know that we all crave and so for me in this season, it is not so much to be busy, but to carve out this time for the Lord to find him in the quiet. And so that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so, oh, Amanda, yeah. that's so good. And yeah. so goodness gracious early. Yeah. Yes, oh, it is. mercy. Yes. 5 a.m. <laughs> that's a tough, yes. that's a tough wake up call. But what, what a reward. Yes. yes. And, and what a gift that the Lord's just going to bless you as yeah. you pour into him and draw near to him. Yeah. He has said that he'll be faithful to draw near to you. Yes. As well. I love yes. that. Yeah. Amanda, thank you so much yes. for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for your time. What a gift this couple hours has been so to chat good. with you. Yes. Um, I know everyone's just going to enjoy this conversation as much as I have. So thanks for coming on the show. You're amazing. Oh, you're amazing. <laughs> I loved my conversation with Amanda. I left the cabin after recording with her and just thought to myself, wow, I am so thankful to know this woman. Her testimony is powerful. I'm sure you got that as well. My favorite part was when she shared about being in the ambulance and the Lord so clearly speaking truth over her. I love when God does that for us. There was and still is no denying that the Lord has a plan for her life, and has a plan for us as well. I just loved that. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. Your support is incredible, and I truly value it so much. If you've been enjoying this show and you haven't had a chance yet, would you guys mind heading over to iTunes and writing me a review? 
those reviews help other people find my show. It would be super, super helpful. I'd love to hear from you all. You know you can connect with me on Instagram at Perfectly Wonderfully Made, or you're welcome to email me anytime at Elise at EliseMarsh.com. I'd love to hear your ideas for the show and just get to know you better. If you have friends or family you think would enjoy this podcast, I'd love it if you could tell them about it. I would be so grateful. If you know a mama who's going to have a baby, which I'm thinking some of you do, I would so love it if you would share my free six-day email course with them. You know I'm so passionate about women having an awesome birth experience, and this is an incredible resource for each pregnant person to truly have the best birth experience possible. You can head over to my website at elisemarsh.com and sign up. Thanks again for listening, you all. Have an awesome week.